Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo starts now. Straight up to the clock on this Monday afternoon. Good afternoon and welcome into today's edition of the Burns and Gambo Show here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. My name is Dave Burns, alongside the one, the only, John Gambadoro. Hi, Gambadoro. Burnsy, what's going on? And we got a lot going on today. We do. We do. Full show it is, today. It's uh, packed. NFL free agency in full swings. We got the brackets out. Yep. Three local teams in GCU, ASU, and U of A. We've got the big Suns game tonight against Steph Curry and the Warriors. I mean, there's a lot of stuff uh, going on. There's a lot of stuff Big win on. last night for the Coyotes. Clayton Keller ties it and then wins it in the extra frame. Oh, big win for, and Keller's been amazing. Clayton Keller's played some great, I'm telling you, it's a lot going on. Now, the Cardinals right now, all quiet on the Western Front when it comes to any signings for free agents. They have not gotten involved at all. The bracket stuff is amazing. I, I just did a short, brief amount of research on it last night. Yeah. I think it's the first time three teams from the state of Arizona have gotten in, which is pretty, I, I don't think it's ever happened before. Because there really haven't been that many teams eligible to get in. Well, for th- So the years that NAU made it, some ASU didn't. ASU didn't. That's okay. basically what it comes down okay. to. This is the only the second time GCU's done it. G, the first time GCU did it, ASU didn't. Okay. Okay. All so right. the only other two times NAU did it, ASU didn't. So I think it's a first. All right. There you for go. The forty eighth states. Yeah. Three teams in the NCAA. Let's go. Of course, two of them are lumped up in the same like sub regional, right? Like if if ASU is able to win and beat Nevada, then beat DCU, then you've got GCU playing Gonzaga. It's a lot of fun. We'll talk about the brackets and what it all means locally in a little bit. First, let's weigh in on a day with so many top stories. Let's weigh in with the top story of the day here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, the weigh-in. Brought to you by Revitalize Weight Loss. Sitting near side to Malik Monk. Over in the right corner to Edwards, a three. He got it. Kessler Edwards having his career night here tonight in Phoenix. 12 points off the bench. That was the dagger. That was the dagger. Wasn't it? The Kessler yeah, Edwards uh, yep. three-pointer. 124-118 with about 35 seconds to go in that game. When he hit that, that was um, kind of a sloggy slugfest of a game until the fourth quarter when they started making shots. And the Kings just did more down the stretch than the Suns did. And it left Monty exasperated when it came to the state of his defense that night. Well, the defense was terrible, and that's what we'll get into it later about, you know, you have a Terrence Ross problem. He could score, but man, he can't defend anybody. I had to take him out a couple of times for defense, you know, but you look at that game, right? I mean, it was it was there for the taking, and that was a big game. Like, that was a big game. Yes, it was. It was tied at 100. It was tied at 103. It was tied at 105. And then it was tied at 115. 339 left. Torrey hits a free throw and makes it to 115-115. After that, you had a big basket from Sabonis. Took a pass from Fox. This was after a jump ball that somehow Sacramento won a jump ball in which D.A. jumped against Sabonis. I don't know how they won it because Sabonis can't jump. Then Sabonis scored over D.A. So two big plays by Sabonis. 119-115. Obviously, the Suns are able to... DA has a three-point play, 119-118. Fox hits a pull-up over Torrey. Got the switch. He had a Kogi on him, and then they sw- 
switched and he was able to get Tory on him, took advantage of it. And then the dagger by Edwards with 44 seconds left, put him up by six. And that was basically the game. That was a huge three pointer by Edwards. This came, that came right after an offensive foul on Devin Booker. Yeah. And the late game execution by the Suns, just not so great. Not right? good. No. Devin Booker with that kind of isolation three point shot in between the, 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 the Sabonis baskets. Air not a great possession. A the air ball by a Kogi, the Malik Monk block of Terrence Ross, the Chris Paul turnover. I mean, the, the, the Kings made all the plays late. The Suns didn't. Ross had an air ball. Ross had an air ball. Yeah, yep. it, was, it was just kind of a mess. But more than anything after that game, Monty Williams just not liking the hunger that his team showed in that game. Offensively, they score with the best of them. But we had so many my bads and, and blown coverages tonight. It just stacked against us. And then you couple that with them having 36 free throws and then they made some threes one off the glass the one at the end like stuff like that it was just too many too many holes to dig out of tonight I I didn't think we played with the sharpness and game plan discipline that it takes to play against a team that's hungry 65 points off the bench by the Sacramento Kings they had seven guys in double figures none of them even got to 20 right I mean it was just an absolute clinic offense by the Sacramento Kings in that game. And they flexed. I mean, give it to them, right? We've been questioning the Sacramento Kings all year long, wondering how legit they are, how real they are, how actually good they are. And I know this was without Kevin Durant, but credit to the Sacramento Kings. They flexed a little bit on Saturday night and showed the Suns they belong. You know, we talked about this on Friday. What did Mike Brown do after they beat the Knicks on uh, on Thursday night? Lit into his team. Lit into his two stars. Lit a fire under his guys. That's it's not good enough. Sabonis and Fox, not good enough. We're not going to go anywhere if they play like that. And you got good performance. Performances out of those guys. First 40-win season for the Kings since 2005-2006. They're about to end the longest drought in the in playoff drought that, that anyone's ever had. I watch, you know, you watch them play, and it's like a, just a solid, solid team. You know, Monk was terrific for them, like you mentioned. You know, Sabonis a good player. Edwards, that's a nice pickup. He's been good for them. His athleticism was, he was all over Devin Booker. And you can see without Kevin Durant, the way that they, the teams are able to guard Devin Booker. But knock down the big three pointers and then obviously the defense that Edwards showed and it ended up being a good win for Sacramento and that was a game we all looked at and said if the Suns are going to catch Sacramento and Memphis they got to beat Sacramento. They weren't able to do it. No they weren't and we'll kind of take a bigger picture look at the standings. There's still a lot of games left but a a moment like that suddenly makes you wonder if you know are are the Suns just kind of destined to be the four team? Can they hold on to the four seed in the Western Conference? Can they at least get to three? That hasn't been decided but that was a big statement moment for Sacramento in that game. I want to play one more cut and then I want to look ahead to tonight. Okay. Because there's just as big a game tonight for the Suns, obviously. This is Monty from Saturday night. Emotionally, he thought the calls that didn't go their way got to his team a little yeah, bit. We talked about pregame staying emotionally stable. When I didn't think we were even close today. Not even close. I thought the officials, the calls not going our way um, took us out of pocket and then there were times where um, a guy hit a tough shot or a guy scored and, and you know, we just didn't have the the emotional stamina to just hang in there. He was, okay, it's not the same level of, as Mike Brown, because Mike Brown was doing it after a win. But there was a little bit of an, I thought, edge 
to Monty on Saturday night and getting after his guys a little bit. They know Kevin Durant's going to be gone for a while, right? They know, okay, maybe outscoring teams isn't going to be necessarily the play with Kevin Durant sidelined. I felt like Monty kind of leaned into his players a little bit on Saturday night after that game, both in terms of their defensive intensity and letting the calls get to them the way they did. I agree with you. I, I do agree with you. And I'm not going to get too high or too low that they lost to Sacramento and they've got this you know gauntlet of two games coming up now against Golden State and Milwaukee because the ultimate key for the Phoenix Suns is just the health of Kevin Durant and the rest of the team. That's it. Seedings don't matter. Three, two, three, four, five, six. I don't care. I just don't care. Durant comes back healthy. They got a chance. He doesn't. They don't. It's so simple. I mean, you just got to simplify it. But does it if, if Durant's healthy, does it matter if they're two, three, four, five? It doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. This game tonight, I mean, you're playing a Golden State team that fourth best record at home. They just keep winning home games. Curry's back and playing well. His last four games, his numbers are unreal. He's averaging 33 points, 5.3 rebounds, 5.3 assists. They're 28 and 7 at home. They can't win for their life on the road. But Golden State at home, I think they've won seven in a row at home. I believe it. I think it's seven, yeah, seven in a row at home. They've also lost eight straight from away, but they've won seven in a row at home. Coming off a huge win against Milwaukee. Curry had the block shot on Drew Holiday. First time in his career he's ever had a block shot that late in the yeah, game. At least yep. during the regular season. It's never happened before, right? Yeah, Steph Curry the, was amazing in that game. Yeah, it was the first block shot inside the final 10 seconds of the fourth quarter in overtime in his career, regular season. But big block shot by him. He lit it up from the outside. He scored 36 points. They get that overtime win against Milwaukee. And, you know, you know that, that, that'll be a tough game for Phoenix to go there and win because they're so good at home. Yeah, what did we say? Uh, what were we hoping for on Friday going in? I mean, not, not even so much... Not even so much for the standings, but just sort of your own well-being if you're a Suns fan to know everything's going to be okay. You've got a three-game stretch where you're playing Sacramento at home on Saturday, at Golden State on Monday, home against the Milwaukee Bucks tomorrow. We we would loved two and one for a that's a brutal stretch. That is about, that is about as tough as a three game and four night stretch you're gonna get if you're the Phoenix Suns right now. I don't disagree. Is winning one of those three enough to help you maintain what you've got, to help maintain belief that you're gonna be okay in this stretch this, run without the, Durant? I understand where you're going. There's just two ways to look at it. There's a win a game and try to improve your standings, hold on to the four seed, make sure you have home court advantage. And then there's the, I don't give a rat's ass. The, like It doesn't matter if they lose all three. Like They're going to the playoffs. Nothing matters besides Kevin Durant coming back healthy. Yeah, I, if they lose all three, so what? It doesn't mean doesn't mean like, oh my God, they lost all three, they can't win the championship. No, it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. No, no, I, you're right. I just don't want them to get too close to the cut line for the play-in tournament. I don't want anything to do with the playing tournament. I don't want anything to do with the playing tournament. And if they lose, yeah, I guess that's the only thing. I I would agree with you. Kevin Durant's return is the only thing that matters. But if you lose enough of these and you fall close enough to that cut line of the playing tournament, then you got to withstand, like we were talking about, what if Lillard goes off for 71 night, right? Like, what if. It's scary to play in the playing game because, like, yeah, you play a team like Portland and you should beat them. And in a seven game series, you'll beat them, you know, four to one or four to two. But if they mean, 
Lillard decides to go for 55 or 60 and there's nothing you could do, you could lose a game like that. Yes. Yeah. You don't want to be in the play-in tournament. Yep, that, that is the fear. Text the word Valley to 620-620. Become a Phoenix Suns insider to get all the latest and breaking news on the Suns and their quest for an NBA championship. Again, text the word Valley to 620-620. When we come back, tickets punched. And by the way things look, it was by the hair on their chinny-chin-chin. That's next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. The sixth seed, the Horned Frogs of TCU. Highlight of their season, a 23-point road win at Kansas. They are the sixth team out of the Big 12. They'll play winner of the first four game in Dayton Wednesday. It'll be the Arizona State Sun Devils out of the Pac-12 taking on the Wolfpack of Nevada. There you go. The announcement yesterday from Greg Gumbel on the CBS Selection Show, ASU. Welcome to Dayton. Again, for the Sun Devils and Bobby Hurley. They are... I heard Bickley say something this morning. They should just hi, uh, you know, hang a uh, play-in tournament banners at the arena. <laughs> that's, that's, they have a whole bunch of those, those play-in the tournament banners. Kind of banners that you're looking mm. for. Of course, we all know the, the history of this with Bobby Hurley. The three times he's gotten ASU into the tournament as a coach, which is the most, by the way, for any ASU basketball coach since Ned Wolf. How about that? Uh, but they've all been in the play-in game, and and Ned Wolk coached in what, like the 1800s? <laughs> no, he was like Ned Wolk 70s, 70s and 80s. <laughs> it's the 70s. Same thing. You were a young man when Ned Wolk was the coach at uh, ASU. It was not quite the 1800s. Man. So on the one hand, congratulations to Bobby Hurley yes, and ASU. Yes, I'm right? very happy it's, about them I'm happy in. about them. But on the other mm-hmm. hand, it's, and I'm using the air quotations here, it's just the play-in game, right? And and so yeah. there's it feels unresolved and unsatisfied for ASU until they beat Nevada on Wednesday night. Yeah. And if they beat Nevada, they'll play TCU. That'll be a Friday night game in Denver, Colorado. So you're going to face the Wolfpack. They were like the last team that got in. They're 22 and 10. They were 12 and 6 in the Mountain West. Very good home team, 14 and 1 at home. So they lost nine games on the road. And the fascinating story here is that Des Cambridge and Warren Washington played there last year. Yes. Now, they weren't a very good team last year. The team's coached by Steve Alford. A lot of us old-timers remember Steve Alford with Indiana. He was part of that great Indiana team with Bobby Knight. So he's been to the NCAA tournament a lot. This is his 12th career appearance. Last year, he did not have a very good team. Des Cambridge and Warren Washington transferred to ASU, and now they're going to face their former team. That's going to be pretty exciting. Yeah, that'll be fun. Uh, Bobby Hurley yesterday on qualifying for the first four in the tournament. We've had our backs against the wall now since probably the Bay Area. Like we all have almost been playing for our season since then. So it's uh, it's good to be able to take a deep breath. And uh, and now it's on to the next step in, uh, in preparing for Nevada, which uh, Dez and Warren are going to be uh, involved in, in that scouting report. And, of course, the obligatory, and we've seen this with Bobby Hurley and his crew, they jump in his pool in the backyard after they get the word. Right. You know, I saw the pictures on ASU basketball's Twitter account, all the players frolicking around in, in, um, in Bobby Hurley's pool. You know, it's, it's, it's weird. Now, I don't know if this is going to register with you or not. Like, in years past, when ASU has gotten into this play-in game. It's kind of had this very renting, not buying kind of feel to it. You know, like, ah, oh, that's it's just the play. I'm happy they got in the play-in game. I'm not happy about it, but I'm happy they got in because I really wasn't sure they were going to. In years, well, either. In years past, it was, oh man, just the play-in game. Whereas this year, I feel like the play-in game is somewhat of a blessing because I really wasn't sure. I said,
sat down and watched that show at 3 o'clock yesterday. If you had said to me right then and there, do you think they're in? I would have said yes, but by the narrowest of margins, I was not sure at all whether they were going to make it. They went into that three-game stretch on the road against Arizona, on the road against UCLA, on the road against USC, and nobody was really giving them a chance. We had been talking about it for many, many weeks. The problem for ASU is the way they're going to finish. they got to finish on the road at those three schools. Obviously, the win against Arizona was great. Now, did it do enough to get them in the tournament? A lot of people felt that they didn't, right, because they came back and they lost to UCLA and USC. Two out of three would have got him in. So they went into the Pac-12 tournament truly needing to win a couple of games. Yeah. And they struggled. And God, they were lucky to get by Oregon State. They were lucky. They didn't play good. Then they 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 literally broke out a can of whoop-ass on um, USC, won the game, and you're okay, they're in. Like, I felt that they were in. They had they had beaten Arizona. They had beaten USC in a two-week span. How yeah, sure they got, were you? How sure were you, though? I was not positive. Okay. I wouldn't have bet a house payment on it. Car payment? Yeah, I don't even know about that because because you know a some nice of the bracketology lunch. did a, a nice lunch <laughs> because they, you know then they got slaughtered by eight by Arizona. Oh, yeah, they did. Arizona clobbered them. They beat them by twenty mm-hmm. nineteen, but they killed them. Like they played Arizona, and it was just like that wasn't even a game. It was a game for a little while, but then Arizona just just blew them out at the end. They ended up winning a game by nineteen points. I, I think something else that happened too, and I was monitoring this a little bit over the weekend, but I was kind of relying on others who were really paying attention to this stuff. So I'm. I'm kind of copying their work a little bit by and large on Saturday not that much happened that was crazy or out of the ordinary there were no bid stealers there were no bid thieves out there nobody who wasn't supposed to win their conference tournament won their conference tournament right like a lot of ASU's resume depended on kind of what happened around true, them very true. would a team come up and win the Big Ten that wasn't supposed to none of that really happened on Saturday so we kind of went into Sunday with as clean of a slate as ASU could get in terms of the selection committee. There wasn't anybody who really stole their bid, which is why they weren't even the last team in. As you mentioned, it was Nevada. They were the last team in. ASU was the second yeah. to the last team in. Well, Nevada. the mountain Nevada comes out of the Mountain West. They got three other teams in besides them. It's a good conference. San Diego State got in, Boise State got in, and Utah State got in. So they got four teams in. Uh, and Nevada's got, their history's not bad. Like, they made the Sweet 16 in 2004. They made the Sweet 16 in 2018. So, and Steve Alford has 11 wins in the NCAA tournament. And he's been to the Sweet 16 four times. But Nevada by themselves... 2004, 2018, they had runs to the Sweet 16. This will be a good challenge. Should be a good game. They should be very evenly matched. And then the winner gets a really good TCU team. It's funny. Um, so ESPN did this, uh, their BPI, their Basketball Power Index thing, right? And it simulates every stuff and it simulates all the games and it kind of gives you an idea of what are the upsets, what are the ones that are most likely statistically to happen. Among the 10 most likely first round upsets in the March Madness bracket, they actually listed 11 seeded ASU beating 6 seeded TCU with an upset chance of about 24%. Really? Now, before you go hanging your hat on that, I'm not. <laughs> keep in mind, the odds are actually better for Nevada to beat TCU as a giant killer. Okay. So, Nevada's odds of beating TCU if they advance past ASU are 33%. ASU's odds of beating TCU if they beat Nevada are 24%. Either way, what they're saying is whichever team comes 
out yeah. of ASU Nevada has a decent shot at beating TCU in the first round. Now that happens. Now we're talking because under Bobby Hurley, all they've ever won is the play-in game. The one year they beat what St. John's, your John St. John's, and then they lost to Buffalo the next round to get into the next round, the round of thirty-two. Again, it's not a huge thing to hang your head on, but it's progress for the program under Bobby Hurley. And as you pointed out in the email. The, the, any talk about Bobby Hurley losing his job is, I have to imagine, that's gone. I think it should be gone. I think it should be gone. I can't I think imagine only that Bobby wants anymore. to go. There's a lot of reports of Rick Pitino is going to go to St. John's. If that happens, then, um, look, I think Bobby would have been good for St. John's if he wanted to go there. Uh, it's going to be a tough game. TCU beat Kansas by 23 earlier in the season. So TCU can play. But Arizona State has a puncher's chance. Right? They're, like, they're not going to win a decision against, but they have a not, their ability for a knockout comes with, if they shoot the ball well, like they play great defense, but if they but they're just a terrible, terrible shooting team. If they shoot the ball well, like they did against USC, they could beat a lot of teams. They could. So an upset against a TCU if they beat Nevada would simply come. I mean, they just got to shoot the ball consistently because usually they're not a good shooting team. And we'll talk more about the rest of the tournament, including U of A's place in it, coming up in a little bit. The Pac-12 but we can't tournament champs. The, yes, the Pac-12 tournament champs. Yes. Kid, your favorite team in the whole wide, wide world. You've made that abundantly clear. Uh, Arizona, the number two seed in the South against Princeton, though it would appear as if they're the worst of the twos based off of the region that they're in, and they're going yeah. against the tournament number one overall in Alabama. I thought they were going to be a three before they beat UCLA yeah, I think, in the championship I think they would game. would have been if they hadn't beat UCLA. And they got UCLA. bumped up to a two. Yeah, and then GCU, the Good second time in the last three years, they get they win their WAC tournament championship game. They beat three teams that were seated better than them to do that. They will face Gonzaga in the first round in Denver on Friday, and not, not that we're expecting anything, but it is weird to see Arizona State and GCU in the same like sub bracket, right? Like if something crazy were to happen, ASU wins two and Grand Canyon beats Gonzaga, they would meet for the right to go to a Sweet Sixteen. Not gonna happen. How great for that program to get in the NCAA tournament? Oh, it's fantastic. Two out of three years, good for them. Bryce Drew is has taken them over that line that Dan Marley just couldn't. How do you do the antelope sign? How do you? Uh, that's it. Right there. Is that right there? Is that it? Lopes up. Oh, no. Lopes. Lopes. Oh, yeah. You got to stick, go. stick those you two fingers out. Fingers stick out. two fingers out. There you like go. That. Lopes, yeah. up. Lopes up. Lopes up like that. When we come back on the Burns and Yembo show, you can uh, text the word Valley to 620-620. Become a Suns insider. Get all the latest and breaking news on the Suns and their quest to win an NBA championship. When we come back, so far, all is quiet in the desert. Why? That's next. Burns and Yembo. The Burns and Gambo need to know Twitter poll presented by Sanderson Ford. We got Zach in for Eric today. Good to see you, Zach. It's been good, a while since you've been on the show. Good to see you guys, yeah, too. Absolutely. You got a Twitter poll question for us today, I imagine? Yes, I do. So, free agency legal tampering has begun, and for the Arizona Cardinals, no signings yet. There's potential for some of these players to start moving on. The 2019 class, a couple players, defensive lineman Zach Allen and Byron Murphy, cornerback Byron Murphy, they're big hot commodities on the market so we want to ask our audience here if they are or if the Arizona Cardinals are only able to bring back one of these two defensive pieces who should the Cardinals prioritize Oof. in free agency That's is a good it question Zach Allen or Byron Murphy uh, I'm gonna go Allen I think Allen's the better player but Murphy's the better more premium position you know what I mean like I, I 
if they're both any pass rush right now. I, I know. It, it, Golden's gone. Zach JJ's Allen's gone. Not like a pure pass rusher on the edge. He's more of the interior guy. I would also say Zach Allen, though, because I just think he's the better player. The fact that the exclusive window for the Cardinals to re-sign either of them has come and gone gives me great pause that either one are going to be back with the Cardinals. I, I mean, like, they don't have... These guys waited for free agency. They're there. They're out there. And I, I suspect neither one are coming back with the Cardinals. But what's our Ooh. audience say? Our, our audience is siding with you guys here. 58% going with Zach Allen. The other 42% going with Byron Murphy. Okay. That's the poll question. You can uh, close. It's close. On the Burns and Gambo page. Yeah, that is close. Uh, at Burns and Gambo on Twitter. At Burns and Gambo. One word is where you can find it. Free agency frenzy started this morning at 9 a.m. And while there's some belief around the marketplace that the marketplace is somewhat being held up by Aaron Rodgers, not making any kind of a decision. The Jets haven't done anything, right? Nothing's happened with Aaron Rodgers. Certainly there have been their fair share of moves. So far, though, the story from the Arizona Cardinals is nothing. Nothing has been done yet by the Arizona Cardinals on free agency. Zach Allen, he can go wherever he wants at this point. Cardinals have no exclusive conversation with him. Same with Byron Murphy. The Cardinals have yet to do a thing so far in free agency. Yeah, it's... I mean, I don't want to say it's disappointing. Let's see how it plays out. You know, let some of the top guys go. And usually when the dust settles, then you, you'll you make your moves. Look, we both said it. We don't really think that they need to go out and make the big splash, spend the big money. So they a lot of areas they have to address. But I think once the players, a lot of the players right now think that they can get a lot of money. Once they realize after the first couple of days that they're not going to get it, the prices come down a little bit. And then you, you bargain shop a little. I don't, I don't think the Cardinals are going to be in that first tier of let's go get all these, you know, let's spend all this money on all these guys. I think they need to fill some holes, get some depth, sign some players, especially offensive and defensive side of the ball on the lines and a cornerback. But I think for the most part, I think they'll be out of like the big name signings. Yeah, it, and, and and I totally agree that the Cardinals just are not in a position where they should go big game hunting these first couple of days in free agency. That's just not, that's not how this roster is going to be wired this year, and that's not what they're all about. I, I think for me, the concern is sort of in the margins a little bit. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. Number one, Zach Allen, I don't know if he's going to be back. And I don't have any inside information. I just suspect that if the Cardinals were going to bring him back, it would have been when they had this exclusive chance to talk to him, and that's gone now. Same thing with Byron Murphy. I guess in the margins is where I wonder about like backup quarterback, right? Because we've seen Sam Darnold has gone to the 49ers, and there have been Case Keenum went to the Houston Texans, there have been some backup quarterback moves, and the Cardinals oh, might need to get Mike in on White that. Mike White went to the Dolphins. Well, thank you. But I was, I was struggling to remember the, the other Dolphins. one. Mike White went to the Dolphins. Now, Two-year deal. Got a lot of money. Like, like $7 million a year. Yeah, like $16 million. Yeah. Now, again, those aren't make-it-or-break-it players, but you do, if you're the Cardinals, and you feel like you need to get in on the quarterback market, you need to make sure you get in on it while there's still some there. The other guy on the margins that I'm a little surprised by is Ethan Posick. The you, got a three year, you got a three-year deal from the Cleveland Browns. I think the team that's been most active, I think, is Chicago. Not only did they trade for DJ Moore with that big trade that they made, but they signed TJ Edwards, the, the former Eagles linebacker, and they signed Tremaine Edmonds, the Buffalo linebacker. Two really good players. But Posick was a guy, when you looked at that, uh, and the other thing that stood out to me was Denver. They got Mike McGlinchey on a five-year $87 million deal to help protect Russell Wilson. I thought that was a big one. But Posick's deal was, was a big deal. He got three 
three years, $18 million. So not a, not a crazy big deal. But that was the guy we did kind of look at and say, okay, the Cardinals need a center. Rodney Hudson's gone. That's a good center. Go get him. He re-signed with the Browns. He probably wanted to stay there. Mm-hmm. He probably liked it there and wanted to stay. Three years, $18 million. Not crazy numbers no. at all, no. but a good deal for him. Yeah, no, a good deal for him. And, and again, there are other centers out there. And I would agree with you, by the way, that the Bears have been very, been very active. active. In yep. addition to the two players that you mentioned as well, they also signed guard Nate Davis to a three-year deal. So they've been, they had a lot of money to spend, and they've been out there spending it. If you're a Bears fan, you got to be pretty excited after the trade, everything that it's brought as long as you believe in Justin Fields. I'll tell you, the team that in some ways stands out to me is the San Francisco 49ers oh, adding defensive tackle Devon, Javon Hargrave. Four-year, $84 million defense. Their, their, their defense is loaded, Gambo. Stacked right now. Bosa, Armstrong, Hargrave, Warner, Greenlaw, Hufanga. I mean, they're, they're not that the Cardinals are going to be competitive in this division this year. We don't expect them to be. Man, that's a monstrous defense San Francisco's putting out there. Yeah. I mean, $84 million, you know, is big. This is a Hargrave was a guy a lot of teams were looking at. I think the Giants were looking at him too. He was the number one ranked free agent across a lot of teams' boards. He was the number one free agent. That's why I got four years. Years, 84 million, 40 million of it is guaranteed. So that's a big deal. It's the second huge contract for an elite defensive tackle because Payne, Darren Payne, got four years and 90 million dollars from the commanders with 60 million guaranteed. So you see the importance right now on the interior of that defensive line. Teams really, you know, want to want to get those guys or keep those guys to have. Hargrave was great last year, right? They had four guys. They had four guys that had 10 or more sacks. He had 11. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. A good year for him going into free agency. And the other thing to keep an eye with that, too, and we've been talking about this going into free agency, is that the Eagles had a bunch of their guys defensively who were going to be free agents. You mentioned T.J. Edwards. Hargrave is another. We had wondered if the Gannon connection would be one that would lure at least some of those guys here. Now, at those dollars, no. But I know T.J. Edwards, there was some speculation about him coming here because of a possible connection yes. with Gannon. And, of course, there are, again, a lot of Eagles free agents defenders that, you know, they're, they're going to are they going to come here because of Gannon? No, they're going to come here because the money's good. But you do wonder about the Gannon connection. Couple of other free agents to mention. Yeah, let's hold, let's let, let's hit it. Patrick, Patrick Peterson, Peterson to the Pittsburgh Steelers. We haven't seen terms yet. Looks like he was on a one-year deal. We haven't seen the money. Quote: It was kind of out of left field. My agent was doing his job. He was calling around to see what teams wanted to have me in their locker room. Close quote. Yeah, I mean, you know, they he had a good year last year. Okay. Now the Steelers did lose their top cornerback, Cam Sutton, who had been with the Steelers since 2017, signed a three-year deal with the Lions. So they were desperate to get somebody. So they got and get Patrick Peterson. He'll be 33 in July, 10 years with the Cardinals, last couple with the Vikings. Did start all 17 games last year, had five interceptions. That's his most since 2012. So he had a good year, but after losing Cam Sutton to the Lions, they decided to go get Patrick Peterson. Schefter is reporting it's actually a two-year contract. I would imagine it's structured as such that if they wanted to get out of it after a year, they probably could. And then the other is Jimmy G going to the Vegas yeah. Raiders. Yeah. I, I, I'm not surprised that this makes a lot of sense. He's a starting quarterback. Like his numbers oh, through the court. Injuries have been the thing that have kind of derailed 
Jimmy Garoppolo, but he is a starting quarterback. He's a good quarterback in this league. If you look at his completion percentage, if you look at his touchdown to interception rate, you know, it makes a lot of sense. And he's reunited with McDaniel, right? Because those guys were in New England together. So not surprised at all that he goes there. Juggernaut in that division. But the 49ers get off a car and they end up going with Jimmy Garoppolo. The question, if you're a Cardinals fan, does Jimmy G go into the Raiders, take the Raiders at a drafting a quarterback at seven, or at least moving yes. up to number three? You think so? Because he's 31 years old. Garoppolo's 31. Because it's basic, it's a three-year deal, but it's really basically only a two-year deal. So if they wanted to draft somebody that they loved, they could have Jimmy G be the bridge to that guy for a year or two if they took somebody who was really wrong. And if I'm Garoppolo, after what they did with Trey Lance, I'm making sure that I'm signing somewhere where they're not going to draft a quarterback in the first round. I don't know how you can round. do that, right? I don't know how you can guarantee that I mean, they're not. I, his, uh, listen, he's had a lot of injuries, right? He yes. has. But when he's healthy, when he's healthy, he's a, he's a good quarterback. He's a good quarterback. He's not great, but he's a good He's 40 and 17. That's his record yeah. as a starting quarterback. 40 wins and 17 losses. He took a team to the Super Bowl. They he's lost. Been he's been good. But he I, took them there. I just, I just don't know for sure if this does take them out. I, I don't, I, I suspect it doesn't for sure take the Raiders out. I think it really limits it, but I don't think it for sure okay. takes them I th- out. I, I would think it does, but we'll okay. see. Texas, your thoughts on the FanDuel text line at 620, 620 right now. When we come back, speaking of news from over the weekend, we haven't even brought this up yet. It's the new way of doing business for the Arizona Diamondbacks. And it is risky. We'll talk about it next. Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. In a just jam-packed weekend filled with action between March Madness, ASU, GCU, U of A getting in, the start of NFL free agency, the Suns losing to Sacramento, having Golden State tonight. Oh, by the way, I did beat, defeat my wife twice in uh, pickleball, both Saturday and Sunday. Oh, and there's that, too. Two victories for how, myself over Chelsea and pickleball. How we didn't lead the show with that is is beyond me. You didn't bring that up during she the show. shut her crap. out once on Saturday, and I beat her 11-1 on Sunday. Wow. It was an 11-6 game in there, too. I had no mercy. Wife or not, there's no mercy there. <laughs> no mercy. When, when I play you, pickleball, we, when I play pickleball against my wife, I'm out for blood. Honestly, when do you ever show mercy? She's it, 22 it, years younger than me. Like, like I'm not gonna like you know, I'm not gonna like like she should be able to write, like run me around the court. But I'm, I took care of business. We had uh, we had four matches. I won all four. Oh, good. We're, we're, two on Saturday, two on Sunday. That's exciting. That's exciting. Including stuff. a shutout. Th- this, this is not what I was going to bring up. Oh, by the okay, way, were, were, you, were you thinking I was going to bring up your pickleball victory? Weekend, yeah, yeah, no, I was going to bring up Corbin Carroll and the Arizona Diamondbacks. Eight years, one hundred and eleven million. Got to do it. You have to do it if you're the D-backs. You have no choice. You have to play this game. This is what the what Tampa's doing, and this is what Seattle's doing, and this is what the Braves are doing. This the teams, the teams that cannot. Keep players when they hit free agency have no choice but to gamble like this. Is it a gamble? Sure, it's a gamble. A guy's got less than a hundred games. He's a, it's a, it's a. But I, I think they gambled on the right guy. I think they gambled on a mature player who's got all the skill and tools to be a great player for years to come. They bought out what three years of free agency? Yeah. Okay. If, Potentially if, as much as three agents. Okay. Yeah. And so he'll be a free agent at, at age thirty. Now at twenty-seven, he would have been gone. Like if he plays well. And, and and the Diamondbacks are competing against everybody else for his services, they're going to lose. Like, you're going to lose that every day that ends in Y. If somebody wants him, that's a, they're going to pay more than you. 
So you, this is a great deal for both, right? Corbin Carroll gets all this money set for life, and the D-backs, a little bit of a gamble. I get it, but I think they gambled on the right guy, and they tie this guy up, and they can't lose him those first three years of free agency. I agree with everything you've said, except that it's a lot of a gamble. I mean, it's. I think Corbin Carroll, and I, and I like what Mike Hazen said on Saturday about giving the extension to a guy like Corbin Carroll. This is a culmination of a you know um, him grinding through the minor leagues very quickly. I should probably shouldn't use the word grind. Um, rocketing through the minor league system, getting up to our major league team, um, making an immediate impact, and we feel going to make an impact for years to come. And very fortunate to be able to say that he's going to be here now um, for a long time. It's the largest contract ever signed by a player with fewer than 100 days service time. That's the risk. Now, I like the player, too. He's the top prospect in baseball, the second best prospect in baseball. He's probably the odds-on favorite to win the National League Rookie of the Year. It feels like a good bet, and certainly, you're right. What this does for the Arizona Diamondbacks, it avoids the mess that is looming with Zach Gallen. Uh-huh. The mess that's coming with Zach Gallen is here two or three years from now, they're probably going to have to let him go. They're probably going to have to trade him somewhere for fear of him leaving as a free agent and getting nothing for him. Scott Boris is his agent. By doing this now with Corbin Carroll. You've eliminated that option from the table. That is not a possibility. He is going to be here and he's going to be in here into his free agent years. He just has to hit. He just ha- it, 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 It's like because the Diamondbacks can't spend money on a guy like this and not have it hit. We tried that with Zach Greinke. We've tried that with other players. You have to hit on the player to invest in him like that. And if you don't, you've taken a gamble and you've lost. That's the risk here. I get it. I get it. Um, I mean, I totally get it. But the 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 other the, the other way is you play it out and you play it out. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Oh, and you yeah, get to the point where now it's too late. He's two years away from free agency. Hey, let's do a deal. And he's like, I'm two years away from free agency. I'm not going to do a deal with you now. Yeah. So I think that this is what you have to do if you're a lower market. Now, I'll tell you, the Diamondbacks' biggest regret is that they didn't do this with Paul Goldschmidt earlier. I did do the biggest regret. I've been told this. You mean a second time? Yes, because they yeah. did, they did do it the one time they did him, one, right? that, they did but they one wouldn't have done like they would have done a longer deal with Paul Goldschmidt at a, at a, at a younger age and tacked on more years yeah. so they wouldn't have lost them when he, they did. They've done it a few times now. They did it with Goldie after he had played one year and a month in the big leagues, five years, thirty two million dollars. You're talking about another one on top of yes. that. That's what they did with Cattell. They gave him two. They gave him a five year, twenty four million dollar extension, and then another five year, seventy six million dollar extension, just to keep him to them and not allow him to reach a free agent. Of course, other teams have done something similar to things like this. Tamper. You think about the Mariners with Julio Rodriguez. You think about Tamper with Wander Frank. Frank. Oh. Did I just say Tamper? Did I just say Tamper? I did say Tamper. Did oh my God. Did he say? Is that what he said? What's wrong with me? I've been sitting with you too long. <laughs> what's wrong with me? I said Tamper, not Tampa. What's wrong? Is that who it is? No, it's Tampa, not Tamper. Uh. But I'm sitting here next to you, and you said tamper, and so I said tamper, and what's, what's wrong with me, Gambo? It's like a giant panda. <laughs> it's not like it's some. It rhymes with giant panda. Ain't that something, DA? <laughs> you, you, sit, you sit next to Gambo long enough, and before you know it, you're having a Dr. Peppa in Iowa. <laughs> God, it's happened to me, too. Yeah. <laughs> what's wrong? Uh, you are always welcome to come to my villa. I <laughs> 
appreciate Always. that. In Lake Como. I appreciate the invitation you, to you go to your come to the villa, villa anytime. Yes. But the point is, is that these things, they're, they're... I do a talk show, by the way. <laughs> a professional yes. talk show. Uh, Hazen, quote, I don't have a crystal ball on these things, so I don't know exactly where some of that will come down from a performance standpoint. But I do know some things, and I'll tell you exactly what I know about the human being that we're signing. I'm convinced he goes to bed every night fixated on how he is going to be a better player the next day and what he could do to help the organization and team win. Having that in your clubhouse with a contract behind him, frankly, I think sends a pretty strong message into that clubhouse, close quote. That was Hazen over the weekend talking sure. about the deal. Take care of business, do things right way, we'll take care of you. And you know, the Braves have done it too. The Braves locked up a bunch of their young players. Yeah, This is the game you have to play because you can't compete with the big market teams when these guys get close to free yep, agency. I, so you got to do it now. No, and even though I'm pointing out the risks of it, and they are legitimate risks, there's also this is the new way of doing business for the Arizona Diamondbacks. It is. And I'll tell you right now, I don't know who his representation is. If Jordan Lawler has a similar meteoric rise through the organization and makes a strong debut, they might have to do the same thing with him. They might have to do the same thing with some of their other would young you do, guys, would their you, pitchers. Would you do it with a pitcher? So much more risky to do it with a pitcher. Yeah, it is because you talk about Tommy John and arm so injuries. So much more risky. And yeah, it, it, it is. Um, I'd have to see. I'd have, let's put it this way: I'd have to see more than thirty-two major league games. I guess for a pitcher that doesn't equate because a thirty-two starts you sign a guy to a season. You sign a guy to a seven-year deal, eight-year deal, and something happens to the shoulder or the elbow in a year or two. I mean, that's. Yeah. I think I don't. I don't think you do it. With pitches, I think you do it with positional players. You're probably right. But then, do we wish they had done it with Zach Gallen? Sure would be nice to know Zach yeah. Gallen was going to be here for five more years yeah. for sure. And not thinking you were going to leave him in three. But the risk of doing it with it, like two years ago, that would have looked like a horrible deal if you had done that with Zach Imagine if you had A okay. year ago, that would have looked like a horrible Imagine deal Imagine if Zach you did Gallen. it with Brandon Webb. Yeah. Well, Imagine like, hey, we did a seven-year deal with Brandon Webb. Yeah, and then, oops. And then, uh-oh. Yeah, he can't throw again. Can't throw. Can't pitch again. Yeah, I know. It's it's risky, but in some ways, this is the way the Diamondbacks have to do business, and this might have to continue to be the way they do business because they've got so many young players coming up. Text us your thoughts on the FanDuel text line. Of course, it's open for you here on Burns and Gambo. You can text us at 620-620. The Suns had only two games this past week, and everybody around the Suns made the most of it. That's the problem. That's next on the Burns and Gambo Show.